0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Munch Bunch podcast. Uh, We've got another really awesome special guest today. Um, And as you know, I'm Megan Van Noy, dental hygienist, myofunctional therapist, and we've got Kimi Nishimoto here as well. And we are just two of the many Munch Munch, but this is our podcast. So uh, today, I just wanted to introduce you guys, we are going to talk about the importance of breastfeeding on growth and development. And we have a really awesome guest star. And her name is Jacqueline Kinsler. She is a part of holistic lactation. She is an IBCLC. And she is also a certified specialist oral facial myologist. So she's got a lot of different backgrounds and training, and just so much knowledge to give us today. So, um, Jacqueline, would you please introduce yourself? Tell us more about what you do, uh, and you know what's kind of going on in the breastfeeding world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you both so much for having me. I'm super excited, and yeah, I'm the founder of Holistic Lactation. Um, it's kind of a combination private lactation practice, as well as an online company where I uh, run an online membership for breastfeeding moms and offer several classes and of course do telehealth. So I got into that work really because I had such a hard time breastfeeding my first child and found out that the issue that caused that difficulty was oral development due to tongue and lip ties. So Mm. that's been my specialty ever since something i'm super passionate about as well as a lot of other things related to breastfeeding um but yeah i've just been trying to educate people as much as i can about the difference between functional breastfeeding and dysfunctional breastfeeding so earlier this year i started my podcast called breastfeeding talk milk motherhood and mindset and we dive into not just the science of breastfeeding we try to keep it A little more informative, I have some amazing expert interviews just like you guys do, diving into, you know, the emotional challenges that breastfeeding moms face, but also just trying to clear up a lot of myths out there.
2: And what are those myths, Jacqueline? Oh,
1: that's a good question. I think the biggest one that sort of is overarching that sums up a lot of the other ones that we could go into is that any breastfeeding, any latch means that breastfeeding is going well. And that's just not Uh. true. Yeah. So like moms will be told or think that, you know, pain in the beginning stages of breastfeeding or at any point is normal and it's not normal. It's, it's not, that's like trying to say that breastfeeding should be painful because childbirth is painful. And, you know, if, if we're supposed to be breastfeeding our kids till age two and beyond, I don't think we can endure two years of painful breastfeeding. Uh, that would be that really, terrible. really <laughs> difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but just that, that women aren't really taught what a what a good latch looks like. And then the other sort of myth that, that you and I can dive into today, which is that just because a latch, quote unquote, looks good, that doesn't mean that what's going on inside the mouth is going well. That doesn't mean that that's functional. Mm-hmm. There could be air swallowing, improper tongue movement, all sorts of things. And so this idea that my profession as a lactation consultant is supposed to be one where I go to Fix the latch. It's like, no, there's a lot more to it. And the other myth I would say that kind of needs to be busted is you know, I'm not here to try and be a gatekeeper by any means. I'm not saying that you can't breastfeed unless you have a lactation consultant But what I am saying is that this idea that you can just go online and watch a video, um, the problems that I'm seeing in my practice are so clinically complex that it just isn't something that most families can troubleshoot on their own. If a YouTube video fixes it for you, great. You never had a clinical breastfeeding problem. But if it's not mm. fixing it for you, that doesn't mean that there aren't other options. And so what I hear from a lot of women is, well, I've tried it all. And I'm like, did you try working with a lactation consultant? And they're like, no. And you're like, well, then you didn't try it all. And it's not, it's not to any offensive things. It's just There's like a lack of awareness about what I do and I'm trying to bring more awareness to the light so that people have all the information they need to make a good decision.
2: Well, I think you're a really special person to do this because you also know about myofunctional therapy, myofunctional disorders, swallowing problems and tongue and lip ties. Which are the majority of the issue at first, right? Right.
1: Yeah, and it it definitely is underdiagnosed, underassessed. Um, I don't I don't care what opinion piece in the news says otherwise. I, it is just a fact that we're not catching it because I have those clients who come to me with a six month old baby and they're wondering why they've had mastitis five times. And, you know, they say, oh, well, the pediatrician checked. And I'm like, well, pediatrician missed something because it's right here in front mm-hmm. of our faces today. And it doesn't mean, you know, that the pediatricians are bad or wrong. It's just there's still so much more to do in terms of that education. And like you said, it's it's not just about the anatomy. It's about the function, right? The swallow and, and all these other things.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Mm-hmm. Well, and... The other thing too, and as like my functional therapist who sees into like kids and adults, you know, when I, all of a sudden, when we start having these conversations that, talking about breastfeeding or how breastfeeding was for their kiddo, you know, there's so many times where moms have told me like they were afraid to ask for help or they didn't know who to talk to or, you know, they just didn't think that it was that, you know off or, you know, not normal. And, you know, I think there's so much stigma around kind of like asking for help when you're like a new mom, because so many times we're just like told like, oh, you should just kind of know how to do this. And so it's so great to have somebody like you be kind of an advocate be like, no, like, you don't always know exactly what you're supposed to do. And it's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to ask questions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that There's this idea that it's just sort of a cultural idea that's embedded. It's not necessarily anything that anybody reads or is told. But I think a lot of women, you know, who become moms, they're, they're, you know, they're nurturing by nature and they feel like, okay, I grew this baby inside my body. I can birth this baby and I can breastfeed this baby. But the reality is, is that, I mean, we could even argue this for birth as well, that, we've lost that cultural knowledge around breastfeeding. Breastfeeding isn't something Mm -hmm. we're sitting around in community and circle doing with other women. And so there's so many new moms that have never actually seen another live human in front of them breastfeed a baby. Mm -hmm. And so we're expecting them to know how to do this, but I just think it's so unrealistic that we can expect a population of women who's never seen breastfeeding to know how to do it.
2: Yeah, and I'm going to jump in there as, like, devil's advocate because before I knew anything about oral development and how you build those tongue muscles through breastfeeding and palate development with breastfeeding, I always was really freaked out by it. I'm a little chicken, and so, like, the thought of breastfeeding was just the grossest thing to me. I was like, no, my babies are going to be bottle-fed because – It it, everyone complains about how your boobs sag and then your nipples get weird and they engorge. So I was always really afraid. And I think that I just kind of like tuned out whenever anyone would talk about breastfeeding. Um, So as I have learned more, I've learned how important it is. And there's really no substitute for it.
1: Yes, that's a good point. I do think women can feel that way, especially before they become pregnant. I do feel like there's there's something that shifts with hormones a lot of the time for women during pregnancy where they they suddenly want to or even right after the birth. They they thought, well, I don't know about breastfeeding and and then it changes. So I think there's both perspectives. And and yeah, I think there's sort of this, you know, ew breastfeeding like it definitely isn't normalized in our culture still. So Mm
2: -hmm. which it should be. It's so good for you. And what's funny
1: is people who mock it, and then you know, I saw a a guy one time was saying, you know, oh, it's so gross, you know, you should, um, you know, cover up, whatever. And it was like on a Facebook post, and his mom came and commented and was like, you know, I breastfed you for three years.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh.
1: He's like, ew, you know. But it's like, well, how do you think you grew up into the adult you are today? Right? I mean. At some point, you know, we, we had to make sure you're, you survived before we had formula, and your ancestors did it. We all did it.
2: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's so true. It's very true. Um, there's this comedian I really love called oh, Allie Wong. Yeah. Oh, she's great. And I love Allie Wong. <laughs> she gives – I would love for you to get her on your oh. podcast, Jacqueline, because can you imagine her and you going – like, talking about breastfeeding <laughs> – it would be hysterical <laughs> there's this line from her comedy that makes me scream every time though it's uh her mom's like did you hear that slogan breast is best and she's like no breast is free."
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was a great Ali wong impression by the way
0: <laughs> yeah thank that you was good, that was really good
1: She's my soul oh, sister. She is so. awesome. I just loved watching her little pregnant body walk around on stage. She's so cute. Yeah, <laughs> she's awesome.
0: She's awesome.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll work on that in the
0: background here and see if we can't get you to, you know, to connect. I, all let's do kids it. Kids <laughs> thing, Allie, Allie, if you're
1: listening, you're going to be on breastfeeding talk.
2: <laughs> I love it. I love it. I would just take it to the next level. That really so, would.
0: Yeah, I really would. So Jacqueline, tell us a little bit about how, like, what really got you into both being a lactation consultant, you know, founding Holistic Lactation, and then your myofunctional therapy background. You've clearly been very busy. Um, <laughs> so how did you get there?
1: Yeah. So yeah, the short version is that uh, when I became pregnant with my son, I was a stockbroker and I loved my job. I was doing great. I got promoted while I was pregnant. It was, thankfully, a very forward-thinking company, so they didn't make employment decisions based on that, Um, and I was actually due for probably another promotion um, after I gave birth, and I'll never forget, I, I had my son. He was probably, let's see, he was five weeks old, and I was attending a picnic from our director, and they had this thing called Chairman's Club, so every year, top employees got selected, and you went to an island with all the you know, company executives for like a week and had this retreat. And um, he was like, so uh, I'll see you in, I don't know, it was like Florida or something. And he was like, I'll see you in Florida in like a few weeks. And I was like, excuse me, what? No, I just had a baby. (laughs) And like the other option you could always choose Mm -hmm. was like a cash award, which, you know, was kind of underwhelming considering you could have like an all expenses paid trip to Hawaii or Florida or whatever. Um, but I was like, no. Uh, and he was like, oh, he's like, did we not tell you? <laughs> I'm like, no, I've been on maternity leave, but I had gotten this award from our CEO that they only gave to one employee every year. And oh, wow. it was like a huge honor. And, um, I just had this such a struggle, like, oh man, maybe I should go back to work. Cause I was kind of planning on taking like a year off and it was just, oh, what do I do? What do I do? You know? And I still was struggling with breastfeeding at that time. I didn't want to give up. And, um, it was like super painful. And just, he was colicky. And I mean, just sleep Mm. was atrocious and all these things that he would spit up. I mean, it was just a confluence of factors, right? I mean, uh, and and here I am with my baby hoping that he'll sleep the entire time I'm at this director picnic because I don't know how I'm supposed to breastfeed him (laughs) there, um, and so, yeah, I, I went home and then, you know, a couple of weeks later I met with my manager and, and she said, are you ready to come back to work? And I just started crying. It was uncontrollable. And I just said, no, I cannot leave my baby that many hours a week. I just can't do it. And she was like, I totally understand. It's fine. You know, you can always come back. So I left and, and I did have an opportunity to come back even a little over a year later. Um, and it would have been a, a great position, but again, I just was like, And how do I, how do I leave him for like 50 hours a week? Plus, you know, commuting time. Plus there's this expectation that you sometimes do these evening and weekend events. It's just not conducive to having a family. And if I, I could choose not to do those extra events, but then I'm not going to get promoted as quickly or all those things. Right. So I was like, what do I do with my life? And I just had, in the meantime, when I had him, I hadn't had any mom friends in my life. No one else I really was close to had had kids yet. So they're all, you know, going to happy hour and they're like, come, come to happy hour and pump and dump. And I'm like, oh, that's not how it works. So I created a mom's group because I was, I needed mom friends. And so this mom's group today, I think has like 5,000 members or something. And it's just for my city. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. So I admin this mom's group and I would go out out and about. I would go to the park. I would go to the library and I would find other moms with babies and invite them to join this group. And we would do play dates. So eventually I was trying to figure out what was going on with breastfeeding this whole time. I'm reading the books. I'm reading everything I can get my eyes on. And I sort of became the the resident like breastfeeding expert in the group just because I had done so much research. Hmm. So I kind of felt weird about it, though, thinking... I'm not certified in anything. I don't want to give someone bad advice. What can I do? So I started researching and I found out I could get certified to teach breastfeeding classes. I could be a certified lactation educator. So I went that route and I started teaching classes and it was cool because I could bring my baby Mm. with me. No one minded. They were all pregnant or whatever. And, you know, they're happy to see it. So I did that for a bit and then I got really jazzed and I was like, oh man, I love doing this. I love helping other women. I love teaching. I'm Mm -hmm. passionate about breastfeeding. And so I thought, well, what can I do next? So I figured out I could become a board certified lactation consultant and I committed right at that moment. I was like done doing it. And, um, yeah, I did my clinical hours. I did my courses did all that and then uh, became pregnant with my daughter. And then I had her and I sat for my board exam when she was four weeks old. So as soon as I got my results, yep, as wow. soon as I got my results, I opened my practice. I literally had everything ready to go. I was like, I know I'm going to pass. I got my LLC, like everything done. And I started seeing clients right away. Now, I was a newbie. Yeah, Good I didn't, I will say I'm sure I was okay back then, but... I was also very like, if someone was like, I have a preemie, I was like, "Eh, I'm going to send you to someone more senior than me. So I I only took on clients that I felt like I was able to help, you know, Um, but because of the whole tongue tie thing and the more I learned in my education, every time I would see a client, especially in the beginning, my mind was like, is it? Am I seeing tongue ties in every baby? It can't be every baby. <laughs> yeah. It but is, it is. It is, right? it is every <laughs> I mean, I can tell you in all my years of practice, I've seen probably seven or eight babies. I know it's less than 10 that did not have a tongue tie.
2: No. Mm-hmm. So, and they're probably coming to you for a reason. Exactly. They're having- right. Feeding problems exactly. for I'm that like, reason. I don't see the
1: ones who don't have problems for the most part. Every now and again, people, you know, say, I just want to kind of do a checkup, make sure things are going okay. That's very, very rare. And those are always the ones that, like, don't have a tongue tie. <laughs> mm. But, um, but the rest yeah. of the time, yes, they do. And I just, and I would just do as much research as I can. I would go to these conferences. And then that's where I started getting involved in the dental world. So eventually I got asked to speak at um, the American. No, it's uh, the Academy of Laser Dentistry mm. by Dr. Larry Cotlow. Yep. And oh, I he yeah. was doing a section. Oh, yeah. And so I was the lactation person. We had uh, Joy Mueller for myofunctional therapy. We had mm-hmm. another dentist. We had a chiropractor. So it was like a we each did our own thing, and then we had a speaker panel at the end. And I started thinking after going to the presentations from the myofunctional therapists. I started thinking, wow, this is. You know, I was already trying to learn on my own all the muscles and and elements of swallowing for breastfeeding as much as I could learn from the field of lactation. But here's this whole other field talking Mm -hmm. about oral function. And I thought that would be really cool to go learn. So um, I found a program that was fairly new and now has been around for several years where uh, I didn't have to be a speech language pathologist. I could go and get the oral facial myology education So I did that and then I started as part of my practicum working with older kids and adults and I did that for a while, but I found Mm -hmm. that really wasn't my passion. So how that helped inform my practice was you can cut a tongue tie, you can laser it away, you can do that, but it doesn't necessarily create the right function. And now I have these oral exercises and things I can do to facilitate creating that proper function, you know, because the surgery doesn't do that on its own.
2: Cool. And what would that kind of look like? You know, it's different? a
1: good question. And it's always different. It's different for every baby. And it depends on what's going on with breastfeeding. So the, the cool thing is, is that it's never about the oral function on its own either. It's about the milk flow, the milk supply, the, the anatomy of the breast, how the mom's holding the baby. So I, I know all those elements from the lactation side of things. And, um, you know, I now can look at the muscles that the baby's moving. So are they over-engaging the masseters as, you know, are they not using the temporalis? What's going on with their, you know, orbicularis oris around the lips? Are they, are they overusing that? Are those muscles tight? Are, you know, and so sometimes it may be massaging tight muscles or, or tired muscles. Other times it might be that we're going inside the baby's mouth and we're doing, things with fingers, or sometimes if they're an older baby, we might use some, some different tools like chewy toys and things like that to get the tongue moving in the right direction to strengthen it. Or if it's, if it's overworking, trying to calm it down a little bit. Um, And then other times there's just tension. There may be spots that, you know, you feel under the tongue and the fascia's tight and you can just quickly massage it and and loosen that up. And then the tongue is free to move again. Uh, And so there's a lot of different There's a lot of, I I can't even say, I haven't even counted like the number of exercises that I I know how to do and that I teach parents, but you know, if they have an oversensitive Mm -hmm. gag reflex, you know, we can desensitize the palate from being so sensitive or if they're mouth breathing, the number of babies that are mouth breathing is mind blowing. I mean, they're supposed to be nose breathers just like adults are too. Um, But, you know, teaching parents the importance of like the nasal hygiene, you know, using a saline spray or other things to clear it out first. And then how do we get that child nasal breathing? There's, there's different exercises and it depends on the age of the baby. So there's all these elements of like getting the tongue to move in the right direction, correcting the swallow, correcting the latch, nasal breathing, and then even posture stuff too. So some things that aren't really oral facial myology stuff, but I've had another training I've done. You know, if they have neck tension, you know, what can we do between those chiropractic or physical therapy visits to help reduce that? Like tummy time is a great tool.
0: Hmm.
1: So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I take a lot of different elements from a lot of different fields. And what I've learned is that just because I was a lactation consultant doesn't mean I can only learn from the field of lactation.
2: I love that. It sounds like you're very, like, comprehensive. How did you learn to do the baby mouth exercise good question so a
1: couple of different places um I think it was first oh I can't remember what came first now uh but in the oral facial myology class that of course was geared for you know ages two and up that that's who you'd be working with the exercises that we learned for for older children and adults I was like well there's got to be a way to adapt that for a baby because a baby you can't say move your tongue this direction right (laughs) they're not going to do that There are Mm -hmm. certain things they'll do to mimic though. And and so you can do those things and you always want it to be the least invasive thing possible. So my philosophy is that an infant's mouth is a really intimate place. It's where they expect to connect with their mother at the breast. They don't want to be poked and prodded in there. And we have to build trust. We can never break the trust because otherwise you can create oral aversion. So everything has to be really gentle. I go from the outside in. gentle face massage, a smiley face, eye contact, even asking permission out loud. Hey, can I put my finger in your mouth now? And just seeing their emotional response and then going ahead and doing the exercise when they look like they're calm and ready. And so, you know, I, I just tried to play around with my clients in some ways. I would tell them, Hey, like, this is new, but I'm going to try some things to see if we can get the tongue. I would know that what the tongue was doing wrong, but then I would have to figure out how to get it moving the right way. So I would just experiment. And then I, there was a course that got offered. I think I went to the first offering they ever had. And it was for IBCLCs. It was called IBCLC Masterclass. And it's put on by uh, Jennifer Tao, Brenna Sampe, Sharon Vallone. And I think those are the three main people. Um, Jennifer and Brenna are lactation consultants. And then uh, Sharon is a chiropractor. And they taught oral exercises specifically for babies. So they also, Jennifer also does uh, myofunctional therapy. So she had kind of created these, I had created some, and between those two camps, I was able to figure out, you know, what worked for babies that I had been working with.
2: Mm -hmm. That's super cool. Super
1: cool and fun. You know, I have to say like, you know, to me, good science is, is experimenting. And of yeah. course, letting people know you're experimenting, right. <laughs> and then I would, I wouldn't have to, you know, if I tell a parent to do these exercises with their baby five times a day, I also had to get their input, I couldn't see this baby five times a day, right. right. So I would say, well, do these for three days. And let me know what changes you see or come back and we'll reassess and I would see the improvement and know, okay, well, that worked. So yeah, it's, uh it's been quite a journey for sure. And I'm sure you guys have learned to, you know, adapt things for the people you work mm-hmm. with. It's not, oh, yeah. we're not all exactly the same.
0: Oh, definitely. Definitely. That's, you know, there is definitely kind of a experiment or try this, try that, you know, really to see what the function or even like, you know, with adults, sometimes there'll be people with such low muscle tone, you think that they could be able to do an exercise that a lot of people can do but then they can't do it so you have to like take it a few steps back and like break it down even more but okay actually let's try it this way let's see if we can at least start this part and then you know kind of move forward from there so um that's what I love about what you're saying is just like how much like in like how involved you are you're not just like okay like go do this and like we'll see you in a month and just see what happens like just that constant checking in and that constant like you know, availability for people to have success, I think is super, super important. So I think that's awesome. Um, now, Jacqueline, will you tell us all why, like, why breastfeeding is so important? You know, how does it affect the baby's growing? How does it affect your baby's development? Like, why do we care about breastfeeding? Like, why can't we just slap a bottle at them and call it a day? <laughs>
2: It's such a good
1: question. And I think that the, the unfortunate thing is that, well, it's not unfortunate, but, um, in some ways it is just, and I'll explain to say breast is best or, or whatever. Um, or it's almost like the focus is on breast milk, not breastfeeding. And, you know, I understand that because we have a culture, you know, here in the U S where women are expected to go back to work very soon. So we don't have you know, proper parental leave and things like that, like most other industrialized countries do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is this expectation that you're going to be pumping and bottle feeding, right? But you're not going to be pumping and bottle feeding the whole time unless you choose to exclusively do that. So when you are back with your baby on the evenings or weekends, you're going to be breastfeeding. And then there's a lot of mothers who, you know, become homemakers um, temporarily or permanently. And so we, we can't neglect that either. In fact, it's a lot larger percentage of the population that, that people that people realize because childcare is so expensive. So sometimes, you know, a family comes to a decision. They're going, "Well, if I pay for childcare, that's basically my salary with like maybe a couple hundred bucks left over. What would be the point right. of that? Like, mm-hmm. why, why am I doing that to myself?" So, uh, but there is this focus on the breast milk. Oh, breast milk's amazing. It prevents this disease and that and whatever. You know, I like to reframe things a little bit, and and some people if they don't thoroughly listen to what I'm saying, they, they get offended, but I don't think breast is best. I think breast is normal and that there are risks to anything other than breastfeeding. And it's not just human milk. It's also about the method of feeding. So, you know, sometimes people ask me, and this is a hard question for me to even answer. I don't know that I have an answer, but if I either had to, uh, you know, bottle feed my baby breast milk, or if formula came out of my breasts, which option would I choose And it's really, really tough to say because the feeding at the breast, when it happens functionally, meaning like optimally, not with, you know, not with pain, a shallow latch, any of that stuff, that's what actually facilitates the proper oral development for a human being starting in infancy. So, I mean, things happen in the womb as well, but breastfeeding is what grows the entire mid-face forward, the airway, the jaw. It Develops their posture, which obviously is super connected to what you guys Mm -hmm. do. And if we don't have that in place, if there's bottle feeding, especially the wrong bottle, I mean, that's probably like one of my biggest pet peeves is that there's zero bottle feeding education. Pediatricians, uh, parents, you know, it's a lot of marketing out there, but unfortunately, not a lot of good sound advice. Um, So even when We want to choose a bottle that would be more optimal. Unfortunately, it's not happening. Uh, But what people need to know first and foremost is that when breastfeeding is going well, the way that the tongue moves, the way that the breast molds to the baby's mouth, so the inside of their mouth, the oral cavity, their tongue actually shapes the breast. And that breast kind of flattens out and, and spreads through the width of the mouth. And what that does is that helps to spread the baby's palate so they should have a nice broad, wide palate, and they should be able to have proper tongue motion. Proper tongue motion is what gets the milk out. So if they don't have that, um, then they they are going to have some improper oral development. But let's say breastfeeding is going well, and they're, the, the baby has a great latch, they can functionally feed. What's going to happen when they're doing that is that they're creating what's called forward orthopedic forces. So just to break it down, forward meaning we want to grow the jaw and the airway forward so that we have a nice big airway to help us breathe. Uh <laughs> I think I love you, t- Jacqueline. I love you too. <laughs> and when we bottle feed, when babies are bottle feeding, they create backwards orthopedic forces. So they're actually pulling and retracting that whole jaw and bone growth backwards. They're they're hampering their own genetic programming. Like your genes know how to grow; they right. know what to do. But you know, m- m- one of my favorite people, Dr. Bobby Gehari, who's an ENT in Portland and treats ties. Yep, that's where I, know will,
0: know I You know this, Jacqueline? That's where I am. I'm in Portland. So, Dr. Gehari. Dr. Ge- oh, yeah, is who I refer to a lot. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, he's he's great, and he says in the in the war between muscle and bone, muscle always mm-hmm. wins, and that's very true. So. And now I know this from working with airway doctors and in the older, you know, adults and older children population, what they've been able to show is not only is it a lack of forward growth, but it's actually a lack of bone growth, that we're actually not even growing as much bone as we should be on our faces because we're not putting enough muscle load on those tissues.
2: So the shrinking faces syndrome that's happening. Yeah.
1: It's, it's honestly, it's, it's scary and it's astonishing. So yeah, I know I've kind of gone on for a bit. If you want to (laughs) interrupt me. No, I'm just so proud of you right now. I'm like, my heart is like
2: (laughs) swollen. Well, one more thing about the bottle fed babies um, is they also get that elongated soft palate. And the reverse swallowing mechanism, which the reverse swallow is hard to correct and you'll need to do malfunctional later to get a proper swallow. And also the elongated soft palate becomes a problem when you get a little bit older Mm -hmm. with sleep disordered breathing. It gives you a smaller um, airway. It's a smaller... uh, what is that mal your mal and patty score is higher so it's harder to see down your Mm -hmm. throat if you have that long soft palate which is going to predispose you to airway problems yeah
1: and and it's you know the the problem is is that like i said the breast can conform to the baby's mouth right and and it and it helps to spread that palate and and the tongue cups the breast nicely and and kind of you know comes forward and grabs it and and, you know, creates this nice, you know, peristaltic motion, what's supposed to anyway. So in a baby that's tongue-tied, they're going to act more like a baby who's feeding from a bottle, and and they're going to tend to be bottle-fed more because of their dysfunction, or or a nipple shield, which essentially turns the breast into a bottle, where now we have a firm nipple in the baby's mouth that can't really be molded. Yes, it's made of silicone, but its shape really doesn't change, and it, it isn't shaped like the breast in a baby's mouth at all. And so now we're we're having the baby's oral cavity conform to the shape of that Mm -hmm. bottle. And I can look at a baby's mouth who's bottle fed and I can tell you exactly what bottle they're using, you know, unless they're switching it up all the time because their mouth will look like it. Like I can tell I'm like, Oh, Dr. Brown's. Okay. Yeah. Like their mouth will have a certain shape because it conforms to the bottle. So now we get a high palate, which is going to, you know, shorten and close that nasal airway. But like you said, the soft palate as well. And A lot of people will ask me, you know, I use a stethoscope when I listen to babies swallowing and I hear air swallowing and the mom will go, well, the lips are sealed. And I'm like, yeah, but air's not coming in at the lips, comes in at the back. Because if the back of the tongue is tied, well, the mid-tongue technically, you know, it doesn't rise up to meet with the soft palate that should drop to seal off the airway from the mouth while it collects milk. So we get air coming in from the airway into the mouth and the air and milk gets swallowed together and you can very very audibly hear it especially with a stethoscope and then these mm-hmm. babies spit up then they have gas then they're colicky because their tummy's filled with air um you know they may or may not burp after a feeding if they don't of course it's it's worse because they didn't get the air out um sometimes they don't get all the air out and so we have this happen and uh, my theory is I'd like to do some more research on that. Be, maybe be tracking this somehow um, with someone who can, you know, do ultrasounds or various scans. But I think it, the soft palate would tend to elongate if the mid tongue never comes up to reach it. Like it would almost be like a compensation, mm. like it's trying to mm. meet up with the tongue, but it can't, so it grows down. And huh. I, again, I don't know if that's true, but it's just a theory I have because.
2: Yeah. Why yeah. else?
1: You know, it's it's interesting
2: to me. I love that explanation of air swallowing with the lips together because I have wondered that myself. So thank you for solving yeah, that mystery. It's, you
1: know, it's cool. I, I experimented with putting my stethoscope on different parts of the mouth, you know, towards the anterior tongue, towards the back, right on the throat. And you can hear when you hear like a whoosh because you can hear the baby breathe and then you hear like a whoosh and then you hear a swallow. But it's like the whoosh wasn't the milk coming in. The, the mm. whoosh was the air coming in with the milk, and then it's swallowed. And it's it's a very fine thing to pick up on. And then ultrasound studies have then you know since confirmed that it, you can't see the air on the ultrasound, but you can see the gap between the soft palate and the mid tongue.
0: That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> You're the coolest. <laughs> I know. We're, we're like we're like super like fascinated right now. So okay, so what would you recommend then for like a, a mom who's like currently experiencing nursing problems or pain or, you know, someone who's pregnant, they had a really terrible like first experience with their, maybe, you know, one of their first kiddos and all of a sudden they're going into baby number two and planning to maybe skip breastfeeding altogether. Cause the first time was like so traumatic. That's
1: yeah. You know, I think, I think if, if a mom can just know that, you know, those kinds of things just aren't normal and that there is help available to her. And, and I don't, I don't ever want to like disparage any of my fellow lactation consultants, I think as a profession, as a whole, like we're a super passionate group, you know, but I mean, it's just like any other healthcare person, a a doctor, whatever, there's, there's, there's really knowledgeable ones. And then there's ones that, kind of know the bare minimum or whatever, right? So if you have a lactation consultant and you still aren't getting the help you need, you don't have an answer as to why stuff is going on, remember that you're always welcome to go get a second opinion and and try someone else on for size. Um, Because I never want, what I don't want moms to do, and I, I think what happens is like if you give birth in the hospital, you know, you have a lactation consultant there a lot of the time. But the ones in the hospital are really only trained to work with, you know, a newly postpartum mom and a newborn baby. When you get to two weeks old, you know, the advice they gave you in the hospital doesn't really apply anymore. Uh, it's an entirely different baby with an entirely different weight. Hopefully, uh, your breasts, your milk has increased. I mean, there's there's so many changes that happened, and and what's always sad to me is that parents aren't told that. Like those lactation consultants or pediatricians, or You know, maybe it's just new mom brain and you kind of didn't remember stuff. But they come to me like three weeks later and they're still doing what they were told in the hospital. And I'm like, no, that doesn't apply anymore. Like we need to be doing something totally different. So if you're struggling, you're trying things that you were told, maybe it's just time has passed and you need new information. But yeah, to address the other part about people who've had a a really hard time breastfeeding before and kind of worried about that, one of the best things that you could do is do a prenatal consultation with a lactation consultant who's skilled in this oral development stuff, knows about ties. That way you can get ahead of it. Have your people in place ahead of time. Have your lactation consultant so they're on mm. call for you when you give birth. Have, have a recommendation to a dentist, doctor, whoever is going to treat the ties if your baby has them. You know, already have that information, have researched them, interviewed them if you wanted, whatever, have a body worker picked out, you know, and then what I like to do for, for the families I work with is, you know, I'm helping them in infancy. And I always let them know, Hey, just because you te- treat the tries, ties now, just because you do all the right things and get breastfeeding going well, you know, doesn't mean that your baby will never need orthodontics or myofunctional therapy or speech mm-hmm. or any of that later on down the line, we're trying to prevent that. And we'll probably lessen that. But I'm not there to decide necessarily. I mean, I help them with starting solids and things like that, but you know, the solid foods that their child continuously eats or the way their child is taught to chew. And like, I'm not there to do that piece of education with them. And there's so many other factors, but I do try to let them know, like if, if for some reason, you know, your child's five and they're struggling in speech and you're like, how could this be? We, we got the tongue tie treated. Here's the kind of people you want to look into you know, because I just don't want them to ever feel like, well, I did everything I could when he was a baby and now it's too late.
2: I agree with that so much because a lot of people have their tongue ties, quote, clipped when they're in the hospital or shortly after. But it doesn't mean that every little bit of restriction mm-hmm. is gone. So you may need a second revision with myofunctional therapy okay. as they Very, get older. very true. So I am like super proud of you that you are prepping them already because that is sometimes a struggle for us. Yeah, (laughs)
1: absolutely. And I think that was also one of the other reasons I wanted to learn oral facial myology because I would have these families come to me. Right. And they would go, well, you know, the mom and dad would be like, oh, am I tied too? I have sleep apnea. You know, I look in their mouth and like, oh, wow, you are really tied. How do you even speak? (laughs) Um, And then, you know, you get the whole history, right? They're like, oh, yeah, I I had, you know, my tonsils removed and I had, you know, teeth removed and all this stuff. Right. And then they'll often Mm -hmm. have like an older child. Well, what about my four year old? He doesn't really speak yet. You know, and and so I would always Uh. feel for these families. and, And before I got trained. I want to say there was maybe – there were two other – and I'm in a large metro area. There were, like, two other people who did oral facial myology, and they were both on, like, the edges of town. And so I was like, okay, well, how can I help these families? So I would only do therapy for, like, the parents and older kids of the families I worked with, um, which was really cool because then they would actually all do it together as a family – And they would have this accountability, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, again, it's, it takes a team. They'd still need to go see the airway dentist. They'd still need to see the ENT. And just to know, like, I feel like I'm this great connector where I'm like, Hey, I do this one little piece, but here's all the other people you're going to need to work with.
2: Awesome. Well, I like that you're checking the families for tongue ties too, because as we know, they are Mm -hmm. genetic. And for that mom who's pregnant, and you're worried about this next baby having issues, maybe have someone who is knowledgeable in ties, check that older kid and see if they are tongue tied. Because like you said, then you can kind of preempt if this next baby comes out, they're having issues and you know kind of what it is ahead of time. So that was really good advice. Yeah. And
1: I've never found that it gives any of the families more anxiety. Like I, I can't say, you know, I think it's, as a as a new mom, well, a mom who's expecting a, a subsequent child, you you already have one or more, and to know that there's a high chance that this baby could be tied, at least now you know, and then you can be educated on the warning signs. So if breastfeeding is hurting, if they can't latch without a nipple shield, if they are dropping weight, but they're, you know, or they're falling asleep too fast at to the breast, like if you can educate them on all those signs to look for, now they come into it going, I know what to look for if something's wrong. And they've also probably done it before. So they have some experience in breastfeeding, even if it didn't last long the first time around to know, okay, this is going well. This is not this. I know when I need help. Because I think the biggest question I get from, you know, prenatal classes or, or clients I work with is how do I know when to call you? And I'm like, when you start wondering if you should call me is when you know when to call me, but (laughs) But if you um, don't know what to look for, you don't know, and you're like, well, I don't want to bother her. She's probably busy, and right. and then you ignore stuff. So yeah. we don't want that to happen.
2: Um, if somebody needs to find a IBCLC who is knowledgeable in ties, or a lactation yeah. concern who's knowledgeable in ties, how would they go about finding that? Oh, that's it? a good question. Um,
1: there's not really one centralized place unless, the only place that I could say and if you want to put this in the show notes is IBCLC masterclass.com. So that's that course that I mentioned that I took and they list everyone who's gone through their program. And it's a three day in person. It might even be four days now. Um, but cause we, we stayed up late doing some education there. I was like, uh, it's nine o'clock. Can we like end this and go to our hotels now? But um, it was great. So IBCLC masterclass would be people that are IBCLCs who are trained in oral exercises um, for breastfeeding babies. Um, And yeah, that's the only place I could think of. But just because just because someone hasn't gone to that doesn't mean they don't know. But chances are, I would say anybody who's like me, who's that interested in it, has attended that course or will attend that course. Like it would be weird not to because it's very inexpensive. Well, you're
2: also, I might be a unicorn. I might be.
1: So yeah. I mean, it's tough because I, you know, like I know in my area that I've been, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say the best, but like for a while and, and they've, other people have gone to that master class as well, but I don't know if it's because I've had maybe a higher volume of patients over the years or what. Or just maybe a different application of things. But I'm just, I see a lot of people who have worked with other ones and, and I have a lot of the dentists and people that do the phrenectomies where they're like, wow, you're, you, I don't even have to tell my patients anything. They're so prepared when they come in, they already know the aftercare. You know, I, I send them back to you and I'm like, well, that, that makes me feel good. Cause I want to make sure I know what it's like to be a new mom and not know what's going on, you know? So some, sometimes I think we get older lactation consultants who forget what it's like to be a new mom. And I'm a little maybe Mm -hmm. closer to it than others where I I have a four-year-old, right. It's not that long ago that, like I said, she had her phrenectomy four years ago. So sometimes I think it just personal experience can add a lot to it for sure.
2: I have a question for you, Jacqueline. So how on earth are you doing online teletherapy (laughs) for lactation? I'm really curious. About Ooh, how good you question. Do
1: so I've been doing it for a long time. It's not just because we have a COVID pandemic. Um, but you know, and I'm proud of the providers who have ramped up to do telehealth during this time. Cause I mean, it's, it's very needed, but, um, you know, I got, I got started because, uh, I was, I was teaching for a midwifery school and there, there are students from all around the world and it's online. Now you don't do your like clinical hour, you know, it's just the textbook education kind of stuff. Cause obviously you can't <laughs> attend a birth online. I mean, you can, but you're not going to be a great midwife doing it online. But, um, and so they would have, you know, they would have someone, you know, in, in Canada, right. Who gives birth and, and they would learn all this, you know, lactation science stuff from me. Um, cause I did like a 10 week course on that for the school. And then they would go, we don't have anybody here. We don't have like a lactation consultant, you know, for, you know, two hours. Can my client work with you? And I'm like, well, uh, I don't know. Like I can't weigh the baby. I can't whatever. So I was really hesitant about it first, but I kept getting asked and I thought, well, some help is better than none. Right. I mean, if this person, you know, can't drive two hours to go see someone, then I, I got to do something. So I'd go, well, you know, I'll do what I can. Right. And, and just practice and over time. And, and I would say technology these days is really great because, you know, we, we can have high speed internet, even if we do live in rural locations and whatnot. And, you know, I just, I kind of set my clients up like, Hey, have good lighting. You know, if it's dark, I'm not going to be able to see a whole lot. Um, have good lighting, you know, have someone else there to, to handle the, the camera for you, whether it's computer or phone, a flashlight may be helpful or to be able to, to turn on the flash on your phone A lot of times I'll have them send me little one minute clips before the appointment of their baby nursing. And I'll ask them to, you know, make sure I can see their whole head, their shoulders, kind of zoom in on the latch Mm -hmm. for a few seconds, take photos of the mouth and oral anatomy ahead of time. So that way coupled with the intake form, talking to them, watching them, You know, and then if we can get the camera close enough, I can hear the baby swallows. I can see what they're doing. I can see how the mom's holding the baby, holding her breast, all these things. So I can pretty much end up doing everything except weighing the baby before and after, putting my fingers in their mouth, and listening to swallows with a stethoscope. But everything else, I can either do or guide the parents to do. And it's going to be much better than them getting no lactation support at all. So... Yeah, you'd be For surprised. Sure. And and I think what we have to assume too is, and I think you guys do, but there's a lot of healthcare providers that don't, but I just make the assumption that the people I work with are really, really smart. And if I teach them something uh, and I explain it in layman's terms, you know, here's how to rub the baby's lips or here's how to do this. You know, they're, they're pretty good at following instructions and, and letting me know if they're not sure if they're doing it right. And then, you know, we kind of maybe exchange some videos back and forth or things like that. But Really, I've I've always found that if I explain it in the right way, then I can get my clients to do the same stuff I would be doing, and they can do it on their own with my guidance. Yeah, that's
0: that's so cool. Well, and that's you know that is kind of some of the things. So you know, for myself, Jacqueline, I took my myofunctional therapy practice fully online uh, two years ago, and that's you know that's one of the things too. Like there's certain measurements that you know we can't take, but with us in myofunctional therapy, you know, it's so much about function, just like with you, um, that you're able to watch things. You're able to monitor things. And that you just come up with other, you know, other areas that you can see the function or, you know, other, like other things that you can keep track of for success versus just numbers. And that's kind of how you have to adapt, which is really cool. So, um, So if somebody wanted to reach out to you and, you know, get your, you know, opinion or work with you, um, how would someone contact you? Give us your website. Give us your full, full plug so people can find you.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So, yeah, my website is holisticlactation.com. Everything's on there. You can find my podcast. Um, You can book an appointment with me online. You can check out my courses Um, Any of that stuff is on there. Uh, My podcast is on every podcast platform. That's Breastfeeding Talk, Milk Motherhood Mindset. But you can just type in Breastfeeding Talk and it'll come up. Uh, I release new episodes every Wednesday. And then I do surprise bonus episodes whenever I feel like it. it. So that's kind of fun. Uh, I'm super active on Instagram. So you can find me at Holistic Lactation. I'm in my direct messages. So DM me. Um, I will say, though... Just, I do get a lot of, you know, depending on what hashtags I use, I, I attract different audiences and, uh, you know, I really just, please don't send me a picture of your baby's upper lip and say, is this a lip tie? Because first of all, I just can't do that. Um, but second of all, like I need so much more. There's way more that goes into assessing a lip tie than looking at a photo of your baby's lip. So I, I never want to shy people away from like asking for help, but just, just expect me to go well. There's a lot that goes into that. I'd love to help you. Let's set up an appointment because ultimately that's just what we're going to have to do if if you're having a complex issue. So I love to help people. I do telehealth. Um, It's great. I am in the Phoenix area right now with the COVID pandemic being super cautious and limiting home visits, but um, I do offer those as well. And so if you're listening to this after this is all over, yes, I do home visits in the Phoenix area as well. Um, but I'm not doing oral facial myology anymore. So you've got Kimmy and Megan yes. here to do that yes, for you. We can
2: help <laughs> and our websites, uh, Megan's website, just as a reminder, is dot mm-hmm. myology.com. And Kimmy's is www.mouthmusclememory.com. And then uh, Jacqueline's is www dot holistic yes, and you can get a hold of yep. any
0: one of us. Yep, and you know, it, as we, you know, sometimes Jacqueline. So I don't really work with the your age group that you work with. So um, it'll be great to have somebody to send people to to give them that information. So I usually go about age four and up for me personally. So it's always nice to find you know, other really great providers for that younger age group. So I'm definitely going to keep your information in mind (laughs) for that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, please do. Please do. I, I've helped, you know, know, two-year-olds are basically out of the picture for sure, but I've done age three and had some pretty good success, but it depends on the kid. So I always try to tell parents, you know, when they realize that their two or three-year-old is having problems, I'm like, eh, you know, you might need to wait let's look at it again in six mm-hmm. months see if they're ready or maybe a year just because you know you guys and and I know that's a really hard age to work with it doesn't mean you can't do something but um it's kind of like we help the babies and early toddlers and then yep. otherwise you're going to look at about age four yep. yeah yes we my that's what I tell everybody yeah <laughs> that's yep. basically mom, like, the only thing you can be reminding
0: right your there. kids like, close your lips close your lips breathe through your nuts
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> perfect well Jacqueline it's been so fun to have you I
0: have learned so much today I feel so much smarter going into my day so thank you for that yeah you're welcome thank you for having me we'll definitely have to be in touch so all right guys well we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up and uh we hope everybody has a great day thanks for listening to the munch bunch